Happy Sabbath, everyone. Well, good to see all of you guys here. Well, let's start off with a question, okay, like we always do. What is the craziest thing that you've ever heard? Okay, I want you to think to yourself, what's the most nonsensical, the craziest thing that you've ever heard? Okay, I want you to think to yourself, I'm going to give you my top five things. It's not in order. The craziest thing that someone has said to me. Don't worry, I, my mic needs, it's okay. Okay, the first thing, first thing, earth is flat. Have you guys heard that before? Okay, earth is flat. Number two, number two, uh, this is for sports fans. Number two, Kevin Durant is better than LeBron. Okay, number three, in and out is overrated. Especially people in the East Coast, right? Come on, let's keep it real. Okay. Number four, this, is more, this was more of a question. The question was, isn't Ellen White black? Okay, they were asking whether she was black or not. No, clearly she's white. Number five, craziest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah, I live in the capital, L.A. <laughs> What's the most crazy thing that you've ever heard? Okay. What I'm going to say to you today might be among that list. Because when you first hear what I'm going to say, your immediate reaction is going to be, okay, Kirin is going crazy now. It's actually our new sermon series. And what I'm going to actually that I'm gonna say, and you're gonna say I'm crazy, is the gift of pain. That pain is a gift. Okay? Immediately, can you lower it more? Uh, immediately we go, there is no way. There's no way. That pain can be a gift. Today, we're going to talk about why a lot of you guys would actually disagree with me and say, no way pain is a gift. Pain is the worst thing ever. We're going to talk about why we have this attitude and why that attitude is not the same in the Bible. Today, our scripture reading will come from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 8 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 through 18. This is the word of God. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus 
also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So, death is at work in us, but life in you. Verse 13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believe, and so I speak. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that He who raised the Lord, Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. For it is for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose hope. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary. For the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the Word of God. Now, this whole sermon series is going to be largely based on a book, same title, uh, The Gift of Pain. It was written by a doctor. He's a hand surgeon, and he also worked especially with people with leprosy. His name is Paul Brand, and he talks about in this book, there are three aspects when it comes to this idea of pain. And if we understand these three aspects, I'm going to talk about it again and again throughout the series, but this is very important for us to understand. There's three aspects. The first aspect of pain is the immediate physical, uh, what does he call it? He calls it, he calls it pain signal, right? It's basically, for example, when I touch something hot, then immediately, what happens to my body? My body reacts against the pain. So that's called the pain signal. Or if there's a pin or a needle that pokes you, immediately, immediately your body reacts. So he's saying that's one aspect of pain. He calls it signal. The second level is the messenger. Or, he calls it, the spinal gate. The reason why he calls it the spinal gate is because when we hit our nerves, it's connected to, I think, I'm not sure, you, I might be wrong, okay? I'm not medical anything. But according to him, it's the spinal, right? Like the spinal cord that connects to the root of your, or the lower part of your brain, which carries that pain into your mind. Okay, so that's the second aspect of it. So basically... You feel pain, physical, nerve pain. It goes up spine and to your brain. So the third part is going to be, the third aspect of pain is going to be our response to pain. How do we deal with this pain? Now, what Paul is talking about here is not the first level nor the second level. What he's talking about is the third level, which is our mental capacity or how do we handle or deal with pain? What Paul is talking about is there is a right way or the Christian way to handle with pain or the secular or the non-Christian way of handling pain. 
So this is what he says, right? He says, hey, it's not that we're not going through pain. We're afflicted, but not crushed. Okay? We're perplexed, but not into despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed. You see, what he's basically saying is, he's talking about the third level or the third aspect of pain where there will be pain, but it depends on how we deal with it, how you deal with pain. The third level, which is you can either embrace or to learn from this pain, or it could totally devastate you and destroy you. Now, as Americans, we hate this. Okay? We hate level one, we hate level two, and especially we are horrible at dealing with level three, dealing with pain itself. Now, why is that? Because if you understand our culture, then you'll understand why we are so bad at it. This is what one of uh, social the uh, theorists, so he's a sociologist, his name is Max Schreiner, and he said this, every society has a way of dealing with suffering. Every society, every worldview. Western culture is one of the weakest, he said. Now, he's not, a, he's not a religious person. He's not saying, I'm religious, therefore, you secular people, you guys are horrible. No, it doesn't say that. Okay? He's approaching it from a sociological point of view, and he's saying, I observe all of the different cultures, and Western culture, we're the worst at it. Paul Brand, he says the same thing. Remember, he's the guy who wrote the book. He says this. In the United States, and he's, a, he's from America, serving in India, about 40 years, and he said this, in the United States, I encountered a society that seeks to avoid pain at all costs. Patients lived at a greater comfort level than any I have previously treated, but they seemed far less equipped to handle suffering, and therefore far more traumatized by it. So what does that tell you and me? That tells us, since all of us are Americans, or most of us are Americans, well, if you're not American, you live in America at least, is that a lot of us, even though we have the most comfortable life compared to the rest of the world, we deal with pain the worst. We're the lowest when it comes to it. We are destroyed by it. We're crushed by it. We go into despair mode, and we feel forsaken. You guys can resonate. You can have a great spiritual life. One thing bad happens, totally crushed. You can have a great time with your family, with your friends, with your career. One bad thing happens. You're totally in despair. Nothing is right. Now, why? Why is it that other cultures, they deal with it fine, even though they don't, they don't even live as comfortably as us. They don't even have much money as us, but they deal with it fine. Why is it 
us as Americans, I mean, we should be on the top of everything, right? But for some reason, we're the worst at dealing with this. It's because of this. Why? Our secular culture, okay, or the secular, secular worldview, which is uh, pre prevalent in, our, in, our, in the Western civilization, basically tells you that this is all you have. There is no afterlife. Okay? There is no God. There is no ghost. This is all you have. So what do you do? They tell you, YOLO. Okay? okay younger people, you guys know what YOLO is. Older people, that means you only live once. So if you're only going to live once, why not live the happiest life that you can live. Not for your family, not for any other cause, but for yourself. Live the best life that you can live. Why? You only live once. Why live under the pressure of community? Why live under the pressure of even family? And that's why less people are getting married, right? Because why? I don't want to get tied up with a family. I don't want kids to ruin my life. No, I'm only going to live once. I want to live it the best. Now, what's the problem? The problem is when suffering occurs, when pain occurs, that's a direct enemy to the purpose of your life then. You only live once. You want to live a great, happy, comfortable life, but pain comes and destroys you. But you see, other cultures, they don't get destroyed. Because for them, a lot of them, their personal satisfaction in life, that's not the end goal. Okay, everybody's distracted and looking over there. What's going on over there, huh? Okay, hey, focus here. <laughs> what happens and again, this seems very complicated, but if you understand this very well, you will respond why we, are, we suck at dealing with pain, okay? And this is why, even though it's complicated, listen, this is very, very important, okay? So one more time, secular worldview, your life is, that's it. Pain comes in, your life is miserable then. There's nothing, no way out. You're defeated always. But if your purpose in life is family, if your purpose in life is community, even when pain comes to you, you go, I'll go through this pain for the sake of family. It won't destroy me. I'll suffer. I'll sacrifice for my kids. In the Eastern worldview, like Buddhism, Hinduism, they tell you this. Buddhists say, the reason why you suffer is because you're holding on to stuff. But there's, there's, you can get out of this, this, this state. There's something else that you can look forward to. Same thing with karma. Karma is this idea of in Hinduism where you did bad things, and so if you do good things, you can escape the cycle of reincarnation. So there is something else to look forward to. But in the secular world that we live in, where there is no afterlife, you, yourself, is the most important thing. When suffering comes, it devastates you. 
It's an interruption to your life. It's not going to help you to get to a goal like other worldviews. No, it's not a stepping stone. It's an interruption. It's an enemy. And these are the side effects of what happens to us. The first thing is we try to avoid it at all costs. This is what Dr. Brand said, right? We avoid it. The problem with this is that because we become so good at avoiding pain, we never come to deal with it. I mean, you guys know, right? You guys know that when there's a problem and you just avoid it, you just go into your fantasy world or something else, you know that when maybe, you know, when you stop that fantasy world, you've got to come back to reality and you've got to solve it. I mean, that problem just doesn't go away just because you ignored it. We, I mean, we all understand that. Yet, because we bought into this lie that this world is all there is, and that suffering is impinging or is a wall to my individual success, my individual happiness, we try to just avoid it at all costs. So we never learn to deal with it. And that's a problem because we never grow. We stay immature. Every time pain comes, it destroys us. And sometimes what we do is we try to make more money so that we try to avoid more pain at all costs. The second side effect is you start pulling away from God. I hear this all the time. How can a good God, a loving God, allow pain? And they start saying, I hate God because he didn't do this for me. He didn't pull through for me in school. Or look at my relationship, it's falling apart. Look at my family. Look at the things that I'm going through. I hate God. What's the problem with this? The problem is the statement itself doesn't really make sense. I hate you, God. You don't exist. You can't do that because if God doesn't exist, who do you hate? There's a, there was a TV show. Uh, do you guys remember? It was a long time ago. Do you remember the uh, TV show House? It was, by, it, was from, it, was, uh, it was for like doctors and in the hospital. And one of the patients, they talked about this topic. And when Dr. House asked her, don't you hate God? Aren't you angry at God? Because that patient was a nun. You serve God and look at what you're going through. And this is what the nun said. I realized something. You can't be angry at God and not believe in Him. If you're angry at God, that means you believe that He exists as well. You can't be angry at something that does not exist. No one can. You know, actually, if you look at what new atheists, and new atheists meaning uh, the, the uh, atheists nowadays, what they're basically saying is, 
the fact that you're even asking the question, why? Why suffering? Why is this happening to me? They actually says, you're very immature. What are you talking about, the question of why? Now, what does he mean by that? Uh, his name is, uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Dawkins, very famous uh, biologist. And um, because, especially, he became more popular because he throws a lot of dirt uh, to Christianity. But this is what he said. He says, we should, not ask, we should not be asking the question of why. He says this. In a universe of blind physical force and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhythm, any reason for it. Nor is there any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect. If there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. What is he saying? He's basically saying, guys, this is exactly what we should expect. Some of you, you just evolved with wrong genes, bad DNA, bad luck. There is no purpose. Why are you even asking the question why? Why? Why, God? There is no God. Why? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you getting angry? Accept it. There is no purpose to your hurting. There is no purpose to your suffering. There is no good and evil. What are you talking about? There is no design. He continues on. The question of why, it's a universal delusion. Why are you asking the question why? Why cancer? Why earthquake? Why hurricane? Useless question. We ask because we cannot admit that things might be neither good nor evil, neither cruel nor kind, but simply callous. The world is indifferent. Your DNA is indifferent to your question of why. Indifferent to all suffering, lacking purpose. And this is why it's a problem. You see, a lot of people, when they go through difficult times, when they're going through pain, they go, Forget it, God. No more God. But your suffering has no meaning then. Your suffering has no purpose. Your question itself destroys itself. What you actually need to do is, as you're going through suffering, as you're going through pain, you need to get closer to God. Because God is the only one who can actually give you meaning to your pain and suffering you go away from him, if you eliminate him altogether, what question are you asking? It dies on itself. Number three. So, first one I said, the side effects of the secular worldview is, number one, we avoid it at all costs. And because of that, we are horrible at dealing with it. We never grow. We never progress. Number two, you pull away from God. But again, you lose all meaning and purpose because you pull away from God as well. Number three, pain becomes a great surprise. It traumatizes us. It kills us. It destroys us. It hits us 
hard every single time. It's like every time pain happens, it's like you're just driving and a car just like rear-ended you. And you had no idea that it was coming. Why? Because we avoid it at all costs. It's an interruption. And so every time it interrupts us, it just destroys us. But what is the Christian response? What is Paul saying here? The first thing Paul tells us is that pain shouldn't be a surprise. It's not a surprise for us. It's not something where we get rear-ended every time and we just walk out and go into another car and get rear-ended again. No. If you live on this earth, you will go through pain. You will go through suffering. It's part of our sinful world that we live in. Now, there's a lot of, lot of churches out there where they talk about this prosperity gospel. Basically, you believe in God, there should be no pain, there should be nothing. But the thing is, there is no scripture where it supports that kind of claim. Okay? Maybe some of you guys feel that way. You go, I believe in God because I want to get rid of pain. Well, it's not doing that for me, so forget Christianity. It's not even practical to me. But where does it say that in the Bible? That you start believing in God and all your pains will disappear. There are not even a single Bible verse that says that. Actually, what it says is this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the river, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. It does not say pain will not come. It does not even say if you pass through the water. What does it assume? It says you will go through it. You will go through immense, immense pain and suffering in this world. What the Bible promises is not that you start believing in God, you become healthy, wealthy, all your pain's gone. No, it does not promise that whatsoever. What it does promise is, I am with you. I am with you. And this is what our main verse is talking about as well. It doesn't say we're not afflicted. It doesn't say I'm not persecuted. Everything is dandy. Everything is fine. No, it does not say that. It actually tells us you're going to go through these things, but... But if you hold on to God, you're not going to be devastated. You're not going to be forsaken. You're not going to be destroyed. Would it hurt you? Absolutely. Will you go through suffering? Absolutely. But it will not devastate. There is something more than this life. And now we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll talk about that aspect uh, a little bit later uh, for the other sermons. There's also another view that is very, very prevalent in the Christian world, which is, so the first one was, I'm going to believe in God, 
and he's going to get rid of all my pain and suffering. And we talked about why that's not biblical. But there is equally another point of view, which is I'm going to serve God. Okay? And if I do good things, okay, he's not going to punish me. It's this pagan religious worldview that we tend to hold on to as Christians. We go, the reason why God is doing this stuff to me or giving me pain or suffering is because I did something wrong. In other words, I'm not holy enough. I'm not righteous enough. And that's why a lot of people, if you, if you uh, hear them uh, talk to people who are going through suffering, they go, why would God do this to me? I've been doing so much for him. Why? Because their assumption is, if I do good things, he needs to reward me. The reason why I go through bad stuff, it's because I sin. And that's exactly the whole book of Job. The discussion between Job and his friends. His friends are like, you're going through suffering, homie. Why? You did something wrong. Obviously. But how do we counter this? What, does the Bible actually say that? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Who went through the most suffering? Jesus. Jesus is going through suffering. Is he going through suffering because he sinned? Because he's unrighteous? Absolutely not. How about Job? Is he suffering because he's unrighteous? Because he sinned? Absolutely not. The book itself, actually God himself says to Satan, look at this man who is righteous, blameless. So we know for a fact that Job didn't do anything wrong. This is what Paul actually says. Paul, one of the greatest apostles, right? So at least we can say he's, he's better than us, at least. He's more holy than us, right? He's more righteous than us. But this is what he went through. This is what he says. Five times I was whipped by the Jews. Three times I was bitten, beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and night I was drift at shore. I was in toil and in hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety that I have for all the churches. He's a pretty righteous man. He's someone who's serving God, who's going through all of this stuff because he serves God. So this idea that God is punishing me, God is doing this to me because I, didn't, I need to do something, that's absolutely unbiblical. Now, are there cases where God does punish? Absolutely. Are there cases where God uses pain and suffering? Absolutely. In this broken world? Absolutely. So we will talk about that. Not in this sermon, but we will expand on that more and more. But to say every single thing that happens is because I'm not doing stuff, that's absolutely unbiblical. So these are the things we need to kind of flush out out of our mind. Number one, 
is pain is part of this world. Okay? Pain is part of Christianity. Our whole center of Christianity is centered around someone who is going through immense suffering on the cross. It's not Buddha who's smiling happily. It's not Mohammed who's conquering and destroying everybody else. Our religion itself, our hope itself is centered around someone who's going through suffering. So for us to say, no, we're going to avoid suffering, that we're going to use religion to get rid of suffering, it doesn't make sense. Pain is part of life for us. For real Christians, I mean, if you really try to live out what this Bible actually says, there's actually, surprise, there's actually going to be more pain for you. If you're just cruising, you're probably not applying any of these things. Pain is not a surprise for us. Pain is within our religion. Now, we must deal with it. This series, we're going to talk about how there's many different ways how we can deal with it. Now, I don't want to bleed into the other, other series, but I'm just going to give you just one example because some of you guys might not be here next week or the week after. So I'll just give you one example of how Christianity helps us to deal with pain and suffering. So I'll use me as an example. So Grace has been uh, attending school uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, she's at Berkeley. And so... Um, I'm basically alone from Monday through Friday. Um, so some of you guys might be like, that's not a big deal. Uh, and I tried to do that in the beginning. I tried to say, who cares? I don't need my wife. I got this. Right? I tried to like man up. Uh, but I was extremely lonely. Um, so, you know, just like anything else, right? Any other person, what do I do? First, I try to avoid it. Right? I played a lot of games, watched a lot of sports videos. But this is, a, this is a phrase I always say all the time is, I mean, you can eat sand to make you full. You just feel like crap afterwards. And that's exactly what happened. I avoided my loneliness. Absolutely. Miserable. Absolutely miserable. Every morning I would get up with the same amount of loneliness. Maybe, maybe even more exaggerated because I'm not dealing with pain. I'm just avoiding it. It gets worse. So, long story short, I started to accept this loneliness and said, number one, I need to accept it on my own. I need to say, I am lonely. But I started thinking, why am I avoiding this? Because this is actually exactly what the Bible says. When Adam and Eve sinned, there was, a, there was a, this brokenness of relationship right away. Because sin entered into this world, my loneliness is not 
an interruption. This is exactly what I should expect. Me living in a sinful world. So I started to accept my loneliness. And I started to say, okay, I need to deal with my loneliness with God. And it's crazy because after I started embracing this loneliness, this pain, I started valuing relationships much more. Because why? Because I realized my pain, the suffering, this, this loneliness that I have, it's my body telling me that I need relationships. This is my body telling me this is what you're created for. You're created for relationship, not objects. So what happened? I started valuing my relationship with grace a lot more. I started valuing my relationship with church members much more. Another crazy thing is because I was able to go through this, I was able to help another person who was going through loneliness as well. So you see, if you look at this world, not from a secular worldview, what tells you there's no solution to your pain and suffering. You just have to deal with it, die, that's it. Avoid it at all costs. Avoid, 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 and you just die happily. That's good. No. Christianity actually gives you tools to deal with your suffering and pain. Suffering and pain, it hurts, absolutely. But what it shouldn't do is to keep you away from God. What pain and suffering should do is actually make you run towards God. Because when you get there, you will see that there's actually meaning behind this pain and suffering. There's actually purpose to this pain and suffering. That there is actually a way out. I'll end with this. As I was going through suffering, I realized that Jesus understood my suffering, uh, my loneliness much more than I did. Much more than you guys do. Not only was he lonely, he was abandoned by his friends, family, his disciples. But nothing killed him more. Nothing devastated him more than his separation with God. Jesus was abandoned by God on the cross. Why? So that we don't have to be devastated. We don't have to be abandoned. He went through the crushing. Why? So that we don't have to go through the crushing. He went into despair. He went into destruction. So that we don't have to go through it. To remind us that there is something more than this world. That it's not YOLO that there is something else to look for. And this is exactly the reason why Jesus has entered into our world. So, my conclusion, don't be surprised at suffering and pain. It's a normal part of life. We have to learn to deal with it. Now, in the next series to come, I'm going to give you guys even more tips and ideas from the Bible of how we deal with it. How to even become joyful in the midst of suffering and pain. But today for you, 
I end with, when you go through pain and suffering, and some of you guys might be going through it right now, is don't run away from God, but run towards God. If you're angry at God, totally fine. Be angry at God, but go towards God. May your anger, may your bitterness, may your resentment pull you closer to God. Because it is there where you will find meaning. It is there where you will find healing. As we go into a time of reflection, maybe you can think about the pain and struggle and the things that you're going through. See how God is an answer to your question of pain.